0: to find out if it's right for you.
1: Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time
2: the ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. Brain, brain, brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. Blame, blame, blame. They say history repeats itself, not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing The Blair Witch Project. Here's what you need to know. I can see you.
3: I'm
4: really excited about this. Thank you
3: for I'm the I'm very glad there area has
4: been haunted by that old woman oh
3: through. yeah i don't know why you have to have every conversation on video because we're making
2: a documentary
3: not about us getting lost we're making a documentary about a witch
2: in october of 1994 three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near burkittsville maryland while shooting a documentary a year later their footage was found as the legend has it in 1785 Ellie Kedward was accused of witchcraft when a group of local children reported that she had lured them into her home to draw their blood. After Ellie was banished and left to die in the woods, the children who accused her began to vanish. Fearing a curse had befallen the town known as Blair, the residents fled. It wasn't until years later that the town was renamed Burkittsville, but the legend of the Blair Witch lived on. Curious about the town's history, film student Heather Donahue sets out to make a documentary, enlisting friends Josh as her main cameraman and Mike to handle sound. The three interview townsfolk about rumors. Some residents dismiss the Blair Witch as a fable to scare children, while others swear they've encountered the Blair Witch herself. One man tells the trio about Rustin Parr, an old man who murdered seven boys in the 1940s. Rustin Parr would take the boys down into his basement in pairs of two, telling one to face the corner while he killed the other, before killing the second child. The trio embark into the woods. After their first night, tensions begin to mount as Josh and Michael accuse Heather of getting them lost. They soon come across a clearing where they find strange piles of rocks neatly stacked on the ground. That night, Heather takes them back to the rocks to film more footage, and one of them knocks over a pile of rocks. Later, the trio hears strange noises and some sort of creature moving around them. In the morning, the group worries someone from town is trying to spook them, and they decide to return to the car. But as the day goes on, they once again can't find their way and must camp for the night. More disturbing noises surround them in the dead of night, and the trio awake to find three piles of rocks surrounding the tent.
5: I am seriously fucking positive these were not here. How would we have, like, just made a campsite in between three piles of rocks just by coincidence? (laughs) You don't think this is strange?
2: As they pack up the next morning, Heather realizes the map has disappeared. Josh implies that Heather has deliberately lost or hidden it to keep them all in the woods for the movie.
3: All I want to do is get out of here, man. I'm not fucking around. That's all
1: I want to, man. Let's go. No,
3: you want to stay here. You want to film rocks. You want to look around. You want to fucking, like... Go! Get this. You want to get
4: that? Which way are we
2: Desperate going? for a guide, they follow the creek. Finally, a near-hysterical Mike admits that he threw the map into the creek after a huge fight. The trio comes across a clearing with strange stick figures hanging from trees. After another night of strange noises, in the morning, Josh finds that all of his belongings are scattered and covered in slime. To their horror, Mike and Heather approach the same river they saw the previous day and realize they've been walking around in circles. So
1: that's the tree we crossed.
4: That tree is down, that's the same one. Oh God! No. Oh no. You gotta be kidding me! This is a joke! No. This is not funny. Mike, just please stop. Please.
2: Desperate please stop. and panic stricken, Josh boils over and torments Heather until she again breaks down in tears. The next morning, Heather and Mike wake to find that Josh has vanished. When the night falls, they hear the sound of Josh's screams, and they frantically try to trace the sound of his voice. The screams lead them to a rundown house. With the two cameras, Heather and Mike search the dilapidated house and find the walls covered in bloody handprints. Come on! I hear him downstairs! Come on! Josh. The two are separated, and Mike ends up in the basement when something knocks him out. Heather runs through the hallway down the basement and sees Mike standing in the corner of the room. Heather runs through the hallways down the basement and sees Mike standing in the corner of the room. Suddenly, she's knocked out and the camera falls to the ground in the last moments of the found footage. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. Filmmakers Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez wrote a 35-page screenplay and hired actors who would be comfortable improvising the dialogue. In October 1997, the cast and crew filmed for 8 days in Maryland and shot about 20 hours of footage. When the movie was released in 1999, the marketing campaign suggested that the group's found footage was real. The film's main actors kept a low profile to maintain the illusion that they were missing. The Blair Witch Project grossed nearly $250 million worldwide, making it one of the most successful independent films of all time. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is comedian and host of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast, Julie Merica. Hi, Julie. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, Julie, <laughs> please tell our listeners about your podcast. I think it's such a great idea. And I've been listening to it recently. And it's it's actually very soothing while I get things done around the house.
5: I've gotten that note a lot, actually. It, it was meant to be a more like calming podcast for a low-key wake-up vibe, because I wanted short-form things to kind of trigger you to get out of bed. Because I don't know about y'all, but during the pandemic, I lost a lot of gig work And just getting out of bed to make life happen was really difficult. And I wanted something, like, Pavlovian to trigger me. Mm. And it found, like most of the things that I found were either really aggressive, like get out of bed or you're a piece of crap, you garbage person. Or it was like everything sunshine and rainbows. And I, and the world's not on fire. You're great. Just sleep all day. And I'm like, there's gotta be a balance. There's got, so there wasn't that I could find. And if you still can send it my way, otherwise I created it for make your damn bed podcast. Love it. It's
2: awesome. Uh, I, I recommend our our listeners. Check it out. Um, Julie, We'd like to start off the show by asking our guest: what is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night?
5: Honestly, it's been a lot of my own like buyer's remorse and guilt on like spending my own money. I'm having to come to terms with like any type of expenditure lately, and it has nothing to do with the income. I'm just working out my own <laughs> dealing with having luxury and still wanting to burn the system down right like i'm like oh i am benefiting from capitalism while actively trying to destroy it so it's that whole alarming i am the problem but i still yeah. want to fix it. <laughs> and i want to get luxury items i would love to be in the maldives one day sure. right like that would be real cool and i'm not i'm not completely eradicating that dream But I'm also trying to find the balance. And that, to me, is the most alarming thing in the world, is finding balance. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs)
4: It
3: is, being part of the system that you...
5: Oh, that's Bless. a tough one. It
2: really is because how do you get out of that cycle? If you figure it out, let us know. Maybe make yeah. an episode about it on your show.
5: Yeah, we're all stuck here. <laughs> Y'all with will you. be the first one. I'll tag
2: you. We should
3: record it in the Maldives.
2: <laughs> let's do it in a bungalow. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to uh, l- let's dive in to the Blair Witch Project. Um, when was the last time you guys saw this movie? If if had you ever seen this movie?
3: I watched it last night and it drives me <laughs> mad. For the first mad. time. <laughs> no, I saw it in theaters when oh, I was in yeah. high school. I have a lot to say about it, but watching rewatching it just brings back a lot of frustration for oh, me. Oh, I can't wait mm, to wow. hear.
4: Frustration.
5: Yeah. I had never seen it. I had never been into scary movies, and I grew up with ADHD undiagnosed. So sitting in a movie theater, unless I was being dragged by a friend or a date, was not going to happen for me, especially Mm. not for things that stick with me. That said, I love scary movie storylines. I just, like, they stick with me for two weeks later, you know, that sort of thing. So watching this later as a grown up, where I definitely recruited any friend that would come watch it with me and sit in my room with all the lights on. Um, And we watched Blair Witch and I wasn't I was pleasantly surprised at how much I was like, oh, this would have terrified the crap out of me younger had I known the history of it, which I won't spoil yet. Um, But but I think that part added such a a fear like there's like this underlying thing when it was released that added an element of fear that I think took away from mine, which made me a lot more. And I don't know, I guess I enjoyed the process a lot more than I expected to, Mm. coming from a scaredy cat. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, this was the first found footage horror movie of its kind, really. It started a trend, you know, later there was the para- There were the paranormals. Not
3: the very first. They borrowed from other techniques, but it was the most effective, I think, primarily because right. of their marketing.
2: Campaign. Yes, and the fact that I you, love that vlog style,
5: though that was cool.
2: Yeah, the fact that you didn't know if it was real, and the actors were told to stay home and not really come out so that they wouldn't right? spoil it for. I mean. That seems to me like a lot of fun. <laughs> the, the, the kind
5: of <laughs> it's shady. It's mean. It's I mean, brutal to watch. I,
2: I don't think, I think it's fun. <laughs> it's like we're playing, we're all doing this. To like, be the actors
3: hiding at home This fun? Oh, yeah. No,
2: I just think the whole idea of like, idea. is it real? Is it not? I Oh, I saw, I think it's an actor, you know. I, I just think that whole world, we, we don't have that much fun with movies anymore
5: right See, i think it's dark and dirty i think it's manipulative (laughs) i'm like that's so ruthless because i would go into the movies genuinely like they convinced like the whole press around the movie was to say that this was literally found footage and Mm. we don't know where these human beings are and i think watching something like that knowing there may be paranormal knowing that it may be whatever but having that question is it changes the way you watch the movie. Like, Ooh. I watched it with context, obviously, knowing that. And and I remember my friend was blowing my mind telling me that she was like, no, when they pressed this movie, people literally did not know if this was the real deal. And being, like, the first of its kind that was this popular and this mainstream, I think is pretty brutal to the <laughs> American population, to be honest.
2: <laughs> I love that point. We <laughs> deserve I it. I love scary movies. Like, I love them so much. And the more you can terrify me and, like, just okay. convince me that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, down.
3: Right. You want to live in okay. the fantasy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I appreciate it. Uh, let's start off by perhaps putting children <laughs> bullying an old woman up on the board.
3: Okay.
5: <laughs> First thing we're blaming is children. Children. <laughs> Hansel and Gretel, the original bullies. <laughs> <laughs> so this is according to Screen
2: Rant. The story goes that in 1785 in Blair, Maryland, a group of children accuse a woman named Ellie Kedward of taking them to her home and drawing blood from them. The enraged town quickly finds her guilty and she's banished outside the village into a harsh winter to die of exposure by the next year all of kedward's accusers and some of the village children vanish leading to the village's abandonment this
4: is the backstory
3: this is the backstory
2: like perhaps because you know we're gonna put the blair witch up on the board as well we must
3: right and just to be clear right this whole backstory about the Blair Witch was a fabricated story by the movie makers, right? This is not actually a, a <laughs> local legend, which I think, you know, because the way it's written that, that you could believe this is actually like a local thing that people believe and They just took that and made a movie out of it, but they manufactured. Yeah, I looked it. up the <laughs> town.
5: I looked up the town. I was like, I need to. Know. <laughs> what did you find, Julie? Um, I didn't find anything that was like, really, I, it was made up yeah. like t- to to not disconnect. But obviously, this is 20 years later, or like, thir- you know, however long later, from when they released this, obviously, that information was probably not as available to us in 1999. Nice. <laughs> no one had like, uh, Google on their phone. So you would no. have had to wait for the, your AOL to,
2: you know, load up. You know?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Mom doesn't need to make a call. Yes. The next you'd have to hour. make sure the <laughs> lines were clear. <laughs> and then
2: <laughs> so it was much harder to get that info. Um, let's put the Blair witch up on the board. So that's a backstory. Uh, you know ha- why the Blair witch is the Blair witch, I guess. Uh, And this is according to Ranker, beginning life as Ellie Kedward in 1729, Blair, uh, Maryland, the woman who turned into the Blair Witch met an untimely demise after accusations of witchcraft sent her into a nearby woods as an exile. Kedward's spirit lived on in the woods in order to take revenge on the townspeople who dared to venture too far into her domain, causing them to abandon Blair before it became Burkittsville. Rustin Parr's confession to killing seven of the missing children may have been a lie concocted by an insane hermit living too close to the witch's lair, or perhaps he witnessed her murdering them. So there's a witch in the woods. Heather, the documentarian, I guess is obsessed with... I I don't even know if she's obsessed with the Blair Witch as much as she is obsessed with making a documentary. Right. Right. You know? I think
3: we can say insistent because then her like apology monologue at the end of the movie, she keeps saying how no, she insisted they do this. She insisted they do that.
5: I mean, she did. Though. Let's be real. Let's watch the behaviors back, kids. She did. She did. Girl was relentless. I was like, she's so aggressive. I'm, I got some rants about Miss Heather. <laughs>
4: How do you feel yeah. about Heather? Tell
5: us. Uh, you want me to start now? I can't. Let's, we can take a free hour. We're going to need some time.
3: Yeah, let's get to Heather.
5: Well, I'll say, I will say, she starts out pretty aggressive, right? And I, I'm not going to go into the evidence that she is one very privileged in 1999 to have this much. Uh, tape on you, like mm. to be able to continuously be having batteries, tape, a camcorder to your person, this much free time and privilege to me is very uh automatically like not a great look to be so admonishing of everyone else's take on it. And I think that she went in so hard and not for the creative love, right? Like it didn't seem like passion project to me. Mm. It just seemed like I want to prove a point and I need to make this uh, $12,000 I spent on all these tapes and endless batteries to, to be worth it or whatever it may be because camcorders back then were very expensive mm-hmm. and this person had unlimited tapes and things like that right like and obviously that might be just like a canonic error but we're not going to say that we're going to say she does have access like this and to me if you do all this research like she did I'm sorry, but I go on an hour-long hike, and I got snacks in the bag for four days. Right. <laughs> like, I don't leave my house without – I'm packing that's heat. Right. If I'm going to a place that's haunted, I'm coming with backup. I got a compass. I got, like, right. friends. I got, like – I got people who trust in the – like, maybe a, a leader, a person who's been in these woods before. You're not going in raw dog right. and then yeah. gaslighting your friends. Aggress- I think it was the aggression that really got me. I don't mind if you're like, no, guys – Come on. Like, if you rally and you peer pressure, fine. But give people an out. Don't you just gaslight them and say, you can't leave yet. We're doing yeah, this. There's like, a level I, of arrogance,
3: right? It's a kind yeah. of like, I'm, I'm, I know where we are. I'm like, it, even saying like, no one knows we're out here. It's like, I think at one point she says, no one knows we're here. It's like, are you
5: kidding yeah. me? Like, <laughs> why? Why?
3: What? Uh, Heather, why? And you why? think that's okay?
5: <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> so
4: I like I like put just sort of uh, distinguishing a few of those things. Attributes that mm-hmm. that, that she, Heather was bringing to the table. Lack of provisions was definitely one, I think. Unpreparedness, for sure. Unpreparedness, yeah. and then the other one. Power trip. Lack of leadership ability. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. there was a lot of... But
5: still on a power trip. Still wanting to be trip. the leader, yeah. but with no leadership ability is a great way to put that. That yeah. is so good. <laughs> and it, it
2: was also like a... Uh, I mean, I'm obsessed with, like, safety, right? But, no, like, a carelessness for the safety, like, I guess that's leadership. But it's like, she has all of these people under her care, one might say, as the Mm -hmm. director, as the leader, as the person who's bringing them in. And yet, like you said, Julie, she didn't tell anyone that they were going. She had no backup plan. Girl.
3: (laughs) To me, it's like I was watching the film and this is part of my frustration, when, which I mentioned earlier. It's like, it seemed like part of me is just like, is this just like pure naivete or is this just pure stupidity? Like mm-hmm. why like, these people are here? And both and- people
5: exist. Yes. <laughs> both people are real. Like we can't admonish the fact that those people do exist and would go in the woods. Like those right, are the people... True. But, like, those are the people who probably would be hurt in the horror movie first, Mm -hmm. the ones we yell at, because why are you going towards the house? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think I just – I had a problem, a big problem with your friend has been leaving inside, outside the tent for a while um, without you knowing, yet you still have time to grab your camera – um and then you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. if that's the priority that's fine and i kind of liked that they did do a little bit of like the this is her this is where she's at she's gonna do everything through the lens i really liked that one insert they did too where they're like she's like well i don't have to experience it like that that moment where he trades cameras and he's like oh it is easier to see things through this lens and i think that that added a little bit of believability to her her kind of um naivete or whatever you want she's dealing Uh, with
2: the situation at hand
4: part of the filmmaking process was you're saying a coping mechanism yes yes that's interesting because that that that's a really fascinating broader point about uh why you make art right why you make art as a sort of form of Mm -hmm. like uh this illusion of control and trying to see your
2: reality through a different lens like yeah, trying to have control over it.
5: I also have this this theory that I've done a couple episodes in the podcast and my oh. podcast about, but it's this concept that, um, to be creative, you either need to be like, um. Completely at like there's nothing left to lose, like that much struggle or you can't be struggling at all. You have to be privileged, right? You have to have the ability to be bored and the ability to be bored gives you a lot more freedom to be creative. That's why a lot of our past artists and things have been privileged white men that we know because they had – all of those privileges to be bored. And to me, I think that what Christopher was saying had to do with that. Like, it's like that creativity, the reason why we create, and maybe she's bored. Maybe that privilege is real. Maybe the fact that she has access and she just wants to prove herself and maybe escape the reality that like, life is not scary. I can do anything, including fight witches, you know, like, I think she just had like this, like this power trip to prove something to who we don't know. I wish we would have had a little bit more of her like history, but that might've, you know, De- detracted from the found footage aspect yes. of it, I'm sure.
2: I also think we could put her bad sense of direction up
5: on the board yes. and her... Yeah, y'all, you crossed the same creek three <laughs> times, bro. Like, I could tell you, follow the creek home. Come on. We've all played hey, a video no. game.
3: Right. It leads somewhere.
5: Um, Oregon Trail was a like, round. We know. <laughs> right. I, ah.
2: I also want to put... um, And I want to get to the other characters, but before we do that... I do want to, well, okay. Well, let's get to the the characters first. Sure. Mike, he has to go up on the board. Screen rant said, uh, Mike intentionally kicks their map into the river, exclaiming that they are already lost and it's not helping. So there's no point in having it around. That really bothers me. Uh, Mike's emotions are also raised much higher than those of his two friends, leading some to believe that he was also being targeted by the witch in order to allow her to use him and Josh to kill all three of them. The theory is strengthened by the idea that Mike doesn't happen to lose the map. He purposefully gets rid of it. So I I think they're implying that perhaps the Blair Witch convinced him or, you know, Mm. they were all in a trance. And that's why he gets rid of the map.
5: Before we start ranting about uh, Michael, <laughs> I want to say that they released this information at exactly halfway in the movie. I paused it to see. It was 45 minutes in. I'm pissed at Heather because I'm watching from the perspective of I'm watching this to see who's at fault. Mm-hmm. And when they revealed that, I paused it and I threw my hands up. I'm like, "This motherfucker!" <laughs> and it made me. And it made me realize, like, what a great show that this was going to be. Because I was like, "Yes, there is more than one culprit here. It's mm-hmm. not just Heather." Because my my antennas were like, "Heather, yeah. she's the one." I was ready right. to like pitchfork this woman. <laughs> and then, and then Michael comes through at exactly 45 minutes. I just thought that was so fascinating. It was exactly the halfway point like literally like mm. I paused it it was halfway through the movie and then they revealed that Michael actually was a little bit responsible and we can rant about I have more to say but I just thought that was so uh diligent and important and interesting that they they bury the lead a little bit mm. to well, you let, you kind of, of it, like
3: too. you know it yeah. raises the stakes all of a sudden because yeah. for a while you're like okay we we get it you're trapped you don't know where you're going and so you need something yes. new and it's effective at that point point in the story
4: do they? The map isn't really useful, though, right?
2: Oh, you're no. such a Mike, Chris. I mean,
4: but at least <laughs> at least it's a sense That's of hope. Mike.
2: That's Mike's perspective. <laughs>
4: yeah. I guess I'm just like they were like. I know where we are on the map, but you either do or you don't, and once you don't, you really don't, right? There are no markers or like longitudes. Well, Josh latitude. never got a hold of the map.
3: Josh never got, like Mike and Heather <laughs> had control of the map.
2: Somebody's
5: tying up. Flames? Else. like rip no. up your shirt Br- also Signal. heather's the only <sighs> one so with mad. a, a compass. <laughs> she's the only one with a compass yeah so she does have a compass yes she does yeah. have a compass. maybe i missed that
2: but uh yes because uh she keeps saying that they're walking south and she's got the compass mm-hmm. so they don't bother but to look at it working. after they leave the car <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly no. not working i think this group would have killed it um
4: the four mm. of
2: us. Yeah, we would have been great. Oh, we would have found Blair Witch. We would have done it in a day and a half. We <laughs> right?
4: well, I would
5: have seen one of those stick statues and been like, "Y'all, we gotta, we go. gotta go." We got right. call that FBI. Don't know. There's this rocks bigger than us. There's a pile yeah. of rocks. We'd be writing
3: the president to tell them that we're going into the woods just so they knew we were taking a trip. Yes, <laughs> everyone would know. we would be live streaming it. There'd be like six ropes tied to us, like we're on the poltergeist, like walking into the forest. Like, we are not getting lost in these woods.
5: I would have had to have a GoFundMe for all them fucking camera batteries and tapes anyway. So, we would have all known where we were. (laughs) Yes. So, let's also put Josh
2: up on the board. This is a cool Josh is up there. You know, he's got to go. So, this is according to what culture, and they wrote a piece. Uh, called The the Blair Witch Project, Seven Most Compelling Fan Stories uh, or Theories, assuming that there really is something supernatural stalking the trio. It is made clear quite early on that Josh has been singled out. It's Josh's... Belongings that are strewn across the campsite and covered in the mysterious slime. It's also worth noting that despite being the peacekeeper and the most level-headed, laid-back member of the group, initially, he's the one who uncharacteris- uncharacteristically snaps as their situation gets more desperate. Is he under the Blair Witch's influence, like Rustin Parr before him? Is Josh possessed by something supernatural? Or is he handling their situation worse than his companions and has simply reached his breaking point?
5: I... We'll go ahead and say that I called him Nickelback for the rest of the sh- uh So I'm going to call him Nickelback. He looked like Nickelback it to does. me. He uh-huh. does. Um, and I think that Josh really made me angry because I called him, I wrote down Nickelback. A.K.A. Yelly McAngerson. Mm. Um, he got so aggressive at the end, and I didn't take it as I. I love this theory. I did read it later. Like I looked up. I obviously yeah. went down the rabbit hole as well because that's my personality. But I looked <laughs> up to see that that was a, a case that he might have been, um, you know, brainwashed by the witch to make this all kind of happen because he was sneaking out and all of these things. But my thing is, I've dated straight men before. ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and i have also <laughs> i have also learned in doing that like a lot of them do hold on it just felt like that it felt like he was just like burying and he's like i'm fine it's cool it's chill we're f- chilling and then he just got like more and more like no mm. you're being an asshole i'm telling you heather we're lost we don't have a no map we're going so i think he just got fresh i feel like his was justified like his anger did not no. help it was not good. He needs to learn better ways to channel and, and be more productive. Really, for sure. sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker needs some actual Esther like Perel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Therapy. <laughs> like he needs relationship therapy.
3: <laughs> I th- I think what's really scary about this is that just from like a reality perspective, what is actually really terrifying about the movie is to imagine yourself having been so trusting in Josh's part or naive And finding yourself in a situation where, like, oh shit, we messed up and we are legit now lost here. Like that. And she's been gaslighting,
5: you know? She's been brutal too. Like every time that they, they had a rebuttal, she's been like, "Shut up! Like we're going still in the wood." Like she's right. been very she's aggressive. Got to do her documentary, so <laughs> I, right? I don't think it's right that he matched her energy, but that is a normal human condition. Is like to match the energy that you're being given. So I took it as that he was finally matching the energy that he's been be- given because he's a big baby and a manchild. Rather than going, I don't want to be here. So if you want to stay, peace. My ass is out. Like, mm. I'm not spending another night in these frickin' haunted woods with mm-hmm. stick babies. I mean, he is no. the
2: first one to leave, so... He did. He, <laughs> he got took. <laughs> he <All right>. did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he also seems like he's the only one who had anything to lose, I guess, or anything at stake. Like, he's the only Those one... Those teeth. Who, <laughs> yes, he doesn't want to lose his teeth. Um, no, he... he He's the only one who's like I got to go to work tomorrow or I got to like, return, return this the equipment. Camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When he said the whole thing about the equipment, I was like, "Oh, he's got to go, man." <laughs> yeah, I know. I was stressed yeah. about that
3: too. I'm like, "Yeah, that's a big deal. You do have to return that. Even if you die, you got to get back here. You got
2: to get the you're going to accrue fees
5: here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your parents are going to take that debt on <laughs> and you can't have
4: Yeah, I don't think if he's really under the influence of the supernatural influence of the the witch that he's thinking of be thinking about the rental equipment, right? No. I'm not sure that's much to that.
5: That was a theory. And that does change. That changes my theory on him. I just
3: don't see that in the film. Like you don't see like someone acting like they're under their control. Like they seem like themselves just kind of deteriorating over a period of time, being lost and hungry.
5: The way that I took those theories was that they're losing their minds and going into madness and that the real Blair Witch was your madness against yourself. So I kind of understand that that is where Josh becomes the culprit, right? Like I kind of get that side where you're like, you've turned against all logic. So I don't know that it's necessarily like brainwash from a witch, but more just like I'm fucking losing it. Like I feel out of control. And this is my way to regain ground Mm -hmm. because we all just want to feel in control of something whether it be ourselves or at least our camera equipment that we yeah. risked our lives for you know so there's another theory
2: that's it's mike and josh to okay. so oh, yes this is I didn't read this a, one fan theory proposed by the film theorists and co- uh, commenters on reddit suggests that there was no witch at all in the blair witch project the, this theory claims that mike and josh were planning on murdering her and decided to mess with her at first The strange rock piles and bundles of sticks appearing outside the campsite in the middle of the night could have been placed there by Mike, Josh and Mike. Heather claims that Mm. she's a heavy sleeper, which would make it easy for someone to leave the tent without waking her up. Mike's experience as a sound engineer would make it easy for him to prepare recordings of a scary scary sounds before the trip as well. Many other aspects of this uh, theory point toward Mike and Josh as the culprits of Heather's murder, like Mike throwing the map away and both men changing the route without telling Heather why Josh gets separated from the group early on and then Mike leads her to the murder house by encouraging her to follow him and come in there she finds him standing in the basement before getting attacked from behind Mike leading by Heather Josh.
5: <laughs> Mike leading okay. Heather I was like why would he be in the corner? Okay, okay, okay Alright, keep going. Mike I'm sorry. leading this Heather so
2: around the house and running ahead of her would have given him time to reach the basement before her and stand in the corner scaring her and allowing Josh to attack her from behind.
5: Sure. And allowing the footage to keep them out of the fucking trouble. <gasps> this blows my mind. I did not read this theory. It's a cool
3: theory, yeah.
5: See, but what do we do about theories? Well, we, what do we, we do about we theories? <laughs> we,
2: have yeah, we, have di- we have to include them. We have to discuss them. Yeah. We have to yeah, see fair. if they make sense to us. Um, I think another person we d- need to put up on the board is Rustin Parr keep talking sure. about him. So, this is according to Screen Rant, Mr. Rustin Parr was a man who confessed to killing seven young boys in his house in the woods. Parr explained that he could, he would kidnap them in pairs and force one to stand in the corner while he killed the other. In the final moments of the film, Mike is standing and facing the corner as Heather screams, trying to get his attention. Heather then drops her camera on the floor and is killed off screen as Mike continues to face the corner. This is the same way Parr would kill his victims. If it was Parr who led the college kids to his house in the woods, it makes a lot of sense that he would kill them in the same manner that he killed his other victims. So perhaps there is no witch. Perhaps Perhaps it's a serial killer. I
3: have... Things to say about that but i feel like we should save Tell that me. until we de- well i feel like we can save it for the deliberation okay okay. okay wow i okay. mean
5: wow my i teasing the I, I struggled with the connection between this guy and the blair witch i think in the first watch it might be the adhd i just like was zoned out on the fact like i was like is that a real actor she's amazing one of the people they interviewed right, at the beginning yeah. and when they were talking and and i think that i don't know i think i'm i'm I didn't understand the connection and what I'm getting now is that maybe it was the same like he's blaming the Blair Witch for you know ruining his brain but really he's just a serial killer in the woods is like kind of the take that this theory is going on and I remember hearing about him like is it the Blair Witch are we worried about this guy who puts kids in a corner right. and then murders their friend. Like, I don't really, I, I kind of was confused. I'm like, either way, the woods are not where I'm going. Cause we've got a witch and a serial killer. <laughs> Two reasons <laughs> right. to not show up. But I was, I, I think I, I was confused on their connection, <laughs> but I appreciate that. <laughs> um,
0: yeah,
4: I, Chris? I, I don't know that there is a connection. I was confused by that too. Yeah. Um, because I, and I think it was just, and then, and then there was a third occurrence where, uh, the deaths that coffin happened rock. Yeah. At that coffin. Yeah, rock. Yeah. The guys. Yes. Yes. Which was oh, another, the search party. Yeah. And I think it all sort of amounts to, um, the, ri- the origin, the original kind of backstory, which is the witch. And then right. all of these occurrences, I think, happen
5: because of, because of
4: or in the wake of. Because
3: it's
5: easy to be- blame a hysterical woman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
4: <No>. <laughs>
3: I think it just builds a sense of dread, too. And to me, like the whole, I mean, I, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but like the standing in the corner, that's a very good, effective final visual of in the movie because you know exactly what's happening based on the legend, Right. but it seems problematic that an adult man not a child who maybe would listen to an adult because he doesn't know any better but like an adult man who's been terrified in the woods would just agree to stand in the corner facing away while his friend was getting murdered like unless he's literally possessed like why would you yeah it's it takes on that
2: paranormal we're running out of time here we're running out of time all right so i don't want to go without saying that i want to put unnecessary camping up on the board Um, This is according to a blog called DecideOutside.com, and these are the top 20 reasons why camping is dangerous. (laughs) No, (laughs) ma'am. Okay. Number one, heart attack, treacherous roads, exhaustion, hypothermia, dehydration, sprained ankles and broken bones, getting lost, drowning, knives and axes, falls, snake bite, bee or hornet stings. Beaver fever, wild animals, lightning, ourselves, altitude sickness, (laughs) avalanche (laughs) slash landslides, your tent, falling trees.
5: This is like that uh, when you go on WebMD and you're like, I'm going to die. <laughs> this yep. is that. Yes. Like, yep. Don't go camping, don't go camping, camping you're gonna die. you will kill yourself. <laughs> Under
2: getting lost. So getting lost is very easy in the wilderness. Although we don't put getting lost at the top of our dangerous activities, it definitely deserves more care and caution since this, one, this is one of the most common reasons why a SAR happens uh, to rescue a lost hiker. The NPS still has 23 victims uh, identified that have gone missing with no lo- knowledge of their fates in the national parks since around 1970.
5: And just to clarify, a SAR is a search and rescue, and not the person who was stabbed. <laughs>
2: no, <laughs>
4: no. <laughs> the uh, the um the thing to do when you get lost is to stop moving. Correct. Stay put.
2: That's what they say, so they can find, and hopefully they'll find you if someone's rep- clear out t- a clearing. But
4: like in the moment. That's got to be a tough decision to yeah. make. Yeah. Terrifying, right?
2: Did you say clear out a clearing so like make uh so that people like can an see SLS. above? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah yeah
5: it's like it's you go to a clearing or like a creek or somewhere where there is more visibility mm-hmm. from above because a lot of the time people will send helicopters but right. the problem is they told nobody where they were Again. going which to me makes all of them not right. only victims but also responsible for them vic- and i don't want to victim blame but i am gonna i'm gonna because <laughs> <laughs> I mean. you dum dums like you could have told dad like you could have told where somebody are
2: he, oh, where are your he moms? does and josh yeah does say he's got a girlfriend and that if he doesn't show up she will notice he keeps saying she's gonna notice
5: (laughs) which doesn't say much about their relationship i know
3: you didn't tell her what you're doing but she'll just notice your absence all of a sudden finally (laughs) yeah
5: she's convinced you're cheating she's just carrying receipts with her she's like i got this motherfucker now i knew he wouldn't show up to this date (laughs) so okay
2: how do we feel about this is there anything anyone else wants to throw up before we get started here
5: I would love... Just real quick, when I was watching this movie, if we're going to really blame who's to blame for these people dying, uh, let's blame Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merritt for making this fucking... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they made the movie. They made the movie. I thought that was a good joke because what a bunch of monsters yes. that would trick We'd... all of us Americans and other <laughs> people. I'm sure it was like a global freaking release mm-hmm. of oh. this like terrifying situation, and it made a ton of money. Oh my God, it was... They a... banked on our demise. Over two. 200... <laughs> I think it was over
2: $250 million worldwide, and it was made on $60,000. Yeah. Wow. That was the budget.
5: And that's crazy. Like, 1999 money, that's at least $4 billion, oh my You know, God. <laughs> That's a <laughs> lot of kidding. money. <laughs> I will say I want to blame boundaries, like, as just, like, a lack of boundaries for, like, mm. the reason why that this happened. Like, a lack of boundaries with the town of setting up. Uh, prerequisites to not get in there, Mm. a lack of boundaries with your friends to say you're putting me in immediate danger and I don't want to go because they said that to her explicitly. In one part, there is a heated debate where she is gaslighting them into saying we're going to go, we're going to go, but we're first. And it's very much manipulative. And if we would have had set boundaries and learned how to say no is a full sentence or I don't think so right now, but I'll call you if that changes, like a a polite Mm. This could have been an email. (laughs) This could have been an email (laughs) (laughs) situation, could have saved all of their fucking Mm -hmm. lives. And I really like get frustrated at the lack of boundaries, which is something I teach on Make Your Damn Bad podcast. Hey, a plug.
3: (laughs) Along those lines, one more thing I want to add then, which speaks to like industry is like, this is why we have unions. That's why there are rules (gasps) on set. So if they had been following like the, correct protocol, Union even though rules. it was a low-budget film, they would have not been lost in the Entertainment
2: Union ru- oh, Rules, go. not oh, following least- the rules
4: Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Has Unions Non-Union, and, uh, yeah, it's a non-union project, so perhaps <laughs> that's, what- that's what we should blame <laughs> <Right>.
5: Freelancing, freelancing <laughs> is the enemy <anime. laughs> right. No gig work. So, okay. Says the person who built her life on gig work. (laughs) We have a good list. Let's take a quick
2: break and start knocking things off the board.
1: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray.
2: And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents
3: The Anime Effect.
0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
4: for the Blair Witch Project. Is it children bullying an old woman, the Blair Witch, (laughs) Heather, (laughs) arrogance, (laughs) privilege, lack of provisions, poor leadership, power trip mentality, stupidity, naivete, (laughs) bad sense of direction, Mike, Josh, Mike and Josh plot, Rustin Parr, unnecessary camping, the filmmakers, lack of boundaries, or... Non-Union Projects.
5: (laughs) Non-Union Projects is my favorite. That's not to blame, but I love it. I was going to say... I'm from (laughs) Pro-Union.
4: I was going to say, just to kick us off, I think that the filmmakers... we run into this a lot with the alarmist where we're trying to assign blame and we run uh, all the way up the ladder to either God or the big bang. <laughs> um, <sure. laughs> I think if we're going to maintain this sort of fair, if we're going to maintain the, the, the question of who's to blame for the events that happened in this uh-huh. yeah, the yeah. Fictional the narrative.
2: The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably take those guys. Okay. Off. We'll take them off. Sure.
5: I also think we can I still blame them. In my heart.
2: (laughs) Yes. I I think we can take children bullying an old woman.
5: I mean...
4: it would definitely not be nice if children were to bully old women. No,
5: don't do it. Yeah, but that's not... Chil- children bully old people all the time. They're very brutal with the way that they're right. honest, and that's considered bullying. Yeah, so honestly, children. we can't blame kids. We have to blame our reactions to kids. Mm. So that's well, not the kid's fault. That kids are kids. The, the
2: Blair Witch still up there. Okay. Um, I right. also think that we can fold naivete into stupidity, and mm-hmm. we might even knock it off the board.
5: And I think into power trip mentality. Like, I feel like a lot of those, like, arrogance, privilege, all of those poor leadership kind of go into that power trip mentality. But yeah, all the personality traits, I do feel like kind of go into one of the same. Like, Like, it could be any of them. You can call it, like, privilege, stupidity, naivete, bad sense of direction. All of those things I feel like are a part of poor leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're a power trip mentality. Like it's all kind of the same. You can kind of call them any of them. I like so call it privilege. Like and that. call it arrogance.
4: I think rolling all those things into Heather might be the idea because...
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah at
4: the end of, really her.
2: Well,
5: the end we could day, say Heather's poor leadership. Sure. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah,
4: yeah. yeah as a new... Th-
3: So
5: maybe not Heather, but Heather and Heather's poor leadership could be two different. I get what you're saying. Like, it's not, it's not necessarily like she wanted everybody to die, like intentional. It's not like voluntary or it's, what's the one where it's manslaughter versus like (laughs) intentional. Uh, It was
4: obviously her first uh, documentary shoot. Right. right? I mean, that was very clear. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, did
5: you see that B-roll? Bad. (laughs) 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 It's your first, buy. it's your first documentary.
3: I think in that case, we can put bad sense of direction,
2: uh-huh, fold that agreed. into Heather's poor yeah, leadership. That's there. Okay. You know,
5: I almost want to say unnecessary camping can go in there, too. But I don't know. Um, yes. Lack of boundaries is yeah. everybody else. I think
2: that is. I right. don't know. Lack of boundaries is. Well. Yeah. I'm like,
5: yeah, sure. they all kind of like combined. Yes. and over- It's like a Venn diagram of problems. Now, <laughs> Clayton, I am excited to hear
2: your take on Rustin Parr.
3: Well, I feel like I already kind of spoke to it basically just being like, it seems like a a distraction or a misnomer. Like this guy's an old dead serial killer. And like I was saying, Uh. unless you're possessed, I don't know. I don't think I would be that hungry and disoriented that I would just listen to some, like at that point, you're so kind of unhinged Uh that if I walk into a house and there's a serial killer, it's like, go stand in the corner. I'd be like, I would fight. I think I would like. Yeah, I'm already dead, so I might as well try, like, go down fighting. Do you know what I mean? I'm not just going to be like. So you think Robert
5: was a red herring? Well, because he knows what that
3: means. He knows standing in the corner means he gets killed after his friend gets killed. So that would be him agreeing to his own death. It just seems unrealistic to me, unless truly these people are possessed by the witch. So it's like paranormal witch killing them Mm -hmm. in the style of the old serial killer. Or is it actually a serial killer who's doing a copycat thing? Like it's, it's a little convoluted. I just feel like it's a good. I think the reason they did it is because it's a very effective last image yes. of
2: the film. Yes, it's a great mm-hmm. image. Okay, so let's take Rustin Parr off the list
5: then.
4: Sounds good.
5: Um, yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he was at least responsible for all of their. I mean, yeah, he might be responsible for deaths, but maybe not theirs.
2: Yeah, right. So, what do we think about Mike and Josh and or the Mike and Josh plot? I, I don't think there's as much evidence for the Mike and Josh plot. I think we can
5: take it sure. off the board. I mean, it's an interesting it's theory. It's a great
3: theory. Yeah, It really is fun, but I mean... And
5: when you look like Mike and Josh, you're going to do stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really actually really liked their personalities until the 45-minute mark where they marked that like they lost their freaking minds. And so a part of me wants to yeah say no to that plot because they kind of derailed that plot by saying these boys kind of lost the thread right like they Mm -hmm. started freaking out themselves and to me i don't know you're not going to pull out fake teeth you're not going to cover your own personal things in slime i don't know if they're that good of actors back then like they weren't (laughs) child actors back then it was the 90s okay people were bad at stuff and so like remember the 90s like the kid shows where kids would just stare into camera like that's what i feel like was what we were used to so they're good actors in this to me i think it would be yeah i don't i don't good. like that plot too okay. also they'd yeah. have to then they're go into good.
3: hiding for the rest of their lives they'd have yeah to play forever dead. it's not worth like it's, it
4: yeah
5: um and you can't go into hiding looking like nipple nickelback nickelback nickelback
2: <laughs> <laughs> his look is too strong. Uh, la- I think a lack of provisions can go under Heather's poor leadership yeah, as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we can agreed. take Heather yeah, off agreed. because I I like Herself. her poor leadership better. Uh, we have the Blair Witch still up on the board. We have Heather's poor leadership. We've got Mike and Josh, which I think we can take them off the board. Me too. I, I, I if anything, so. Mike to me is more culpable because I, he threw out the map. Yeah, but
5: they're both victims, but they're both they both need me? some. Well, don't we you all? Could, period. Like you if they were a alive, for
3: they because they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they willingly walked into this situation, so it's like this, like a big slap, or you're like, "Hey guys, like, what the f were you thinking?" Kind of thing. Like, but we I
4: maybe. I mean, maybe Mike gets the big slap. It's I. I say get rid of Josh. I think there's not enough evidence for. Him. I agree, but I think the decision Mike made to intentionally ditch the map uh should at least give him further consideration. Yeah. Um, okay.
2: I just want to point out. I just want to point out that we still have non-union projects yeah. up on the board. I think we should. Take that off. I mean, I love it. Don't get me started. I think you could slap non-union projects. Sure. Um, <laughs> spiritually, spiritually up there. But I, I, I think here's where I'm leaning towards. I do think we slap we we send Heather's poor leadership. Up on the alarmist uh, to the alarmist jail, and we slap the Blair Witch.
4: <laughs> slap the Blair Witch.
2: So for me, the Blair Witch is just out in the woods doing her thing, doing what she does, which is haunting. And she has let it. She's let it be known that you should be afraid of her, and that if you go into the woods, she will haunt you. So if you already have this information and you know that there's things in the past that have happened then why See, this is gonna... why you
3: don't slap her i think i feel like you're making the case that you slap mike or josh because they oh. knew
2: the
5: so which
3: the the is, blair...
2: like... nice. the is like I think you... you
3: came to my house yeah you, think, you came let... yes. to my house
2: yes but <laughs> i also think the you know devil. that's not a nice thing to do blair witch you know you can't yeah, be killing you can't, people yeah you can't just be like i'm a killer <laughs> that's why i think you end yeah,
5: you up slapping her like, i'm a killer you knew this <laughs> Even if it's a figure of your imagination, right? Like, let's pretend like the Blair Witch really is a mental thing. I do understand giving that, like, second raking. Like, you're going to give a big-ass slap to that, like, mental incapacitation that happens when you are frantic in the woods, panicking, not feeling yourself, or hungry. You're not yourself when you're hangry. This was a Snickers mm. commercial they the whole time. I can't believe we forgot Snickers. to put
2: hangry up on the grill.
5: Right. <laughs> um so, so that, wait, you're, you're saying Blair Witch gets the big
3: slap. That's what Yes.
5: You're... Yes. Hmm. I am. I'm agreeing with it in the sense that even if it is just a, yeah, a mental incapacitation, that even if she's not a real entity, even if we can't prove her, uh, her responsibility, we can offer her as a consolation prize for the people who deserve like that, that big ol' slap. Um,
2: okay. I'm going to call it the Blair Witch. You're getting the big slap. Heather's poor leadership skills. You're going to the alarmist jail. All right. And there you have it. The 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 haunting of the Blair Witch (laughs) is pretty much solved. solved. Yeah, mm-hmm. we couldn't have done this without you, Julie. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. I really couldn't have done it without either of you, Ian,
5: or any of you. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's you That's right. So much. We needed each other. <laughs> <laughs> this was so freaking fun. I could have ranted about it all day.
2: Following the Blair Witch Project's critical and commercial success, the film launched a media franchise which includes two sequels, novels comic books and video games the film is credited with reviving the found footage technique which was later used by similarly successful horror films such as paranormal activity and cloverfield visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on instagram at the alarmist podcast and on twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early, with fact checking by Chris Smith and editing by Maria Blasucci. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado Smith and the ERIOS Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the death of Elvis.